Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we are back, and we are going right to the phones. And uh, joining us on the phones is Mr. Nate Zielinski. Nate, I haven't talked to you in a while. I know, Terry. It's been a while. I've been uh, out in the outdoors chasing uh, everything wild out here. That's for sure. That, well, I, that's, I told people you were out doing the scouting for us, and you wouldn't <laughs> let us down. There you go. I'm out here, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the last weekend of the muzzleloader here in Colorado. It's also the kind of the prime rut for the archery season. So, uh, I mean, as far as, you know, the, the premium of Colorado, the Elkwood, I think, you know, more people travel to Colorado more than anything. It's prime rut here in Colorado. But this year is just being a, a little tricky. You know, we had a lot of moisture in late July. Kind of looking like that early fall. You're cutting out on me, Nate. Right there. I lost you, Nate. Are you still there? Yes, I am, sir. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, but you cut out really bad there. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, as uh, as these high temperatures in this kind of Rocky Mountain region, it doesn't change up some of the elk hunting, and it's kind of uh, shortening the general days of hunting, that's for sure. Nate, we're just not even hearing you hardly. Um, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Perfect. I apologize about that. I just moved to the other side of the mountain for us. I uh, know we were just talking about how the, uh, the abnormally high temperatures all of a sudden kind of started to affect the elk red a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the daytime highs are causing for a lot of nocturnal activity, a lot of nocturnal rutting, uh, making it for some shorter days for the elk hunters here in Colorado, which can make it a little tougher than uh, I think a lot of people would like it to be. Well, I think you're absolutely right. You know, although, you know, sometimes the weather can catch up in a hurry and so can the elk behavior, but it obviously we've had very warm daytime temperatures. I haven't been up in the mountains very much, but I get the feeling that lately it's been warm and dry up there too are the nights cooling down enough to maybe get a few things going is that why we're seeing the nocturnal activity exactly the nights are great you know we're seeing temperatures in the low 30s even the high at night but still warming up to the 70s and 80s during the day so i mean it's like anything fishing and you always have to react to your climate we can't change it you know everybody complains about the weather and uh you know i'm right there with them but there's nothing you can do about it unfortunately it's the, the cards that we were dealt so the biggest thing and this is probably the hardest thing for an elk hunter to do when we talk about this every year and every show, but really know your animals. And literally, I'm here in the woods today. I'm just on the top of the mountain doing some glassing. But these animals today, for me, and I'm at high elevation. I'm at, you know, 13,000 feet, 12,000 feet. And these animals bedded down in the timber at 7 a.m. So they literally in the timber and approaching their beds between 7 a.m. and 30 a.m. And once these elk bed down, it's so noisy, so dry, the ability to sneak up on these animals or call these animals out of their bed is slim to none. So you have to take the responsibility as a hunter to play your field, play your odds. Let those animals bed down. Go take a nap. Hang out. You know, go fishing. Do something. And then hunt these animals when they get back out of their bed in that early afternoon. The one thing that helps you, the earlier they bed down, Generally speaking, sometimes the earlier they get up out of their bed. But being a smart hunter and and backing up, not pushing the animals, is the smartest thing you can do. And I can tell you, 
it's hard. You know, we wait 11 and a half months for these seasons to come. You know, people travel from out of state and they, they set the time away for vacation. And it, it's a very big commitment, you know, financially, time, everything. And with that being said, so many people want to push the envelope. You know, and they're like, man, I'm not quitting at 730. And they, you know, they, they tromp through the woods and they push animals out of their beds. And it's not helping you. It's not helping the animals in their rut. It's not helping other hunters. Uh, and it really makes for a tough season. So, more importantly, we're talking about the education of, of knowing when to stop. And literally, when the animals you know, go from meadows to trees or from tree line to trees, or whenever you think they're approaching that dark timber, which is going to be their bedding areas, you have to make that responsible decision to back out. Let them settle down. Let them bed. Get the wind right. Then hunt them again in the evening when they're back to being active. It's going to dramatically increase your success rate uh, in, in harvesting you know, a bull or a cow. So... More than anything, just from, from the reports that I've been seeing from being out here every day this week, um, that making those decisions is a, is a major influence in the success that you'll have in these high temperatures. Well, you know, one of the things you said about take a fishing rod with you. You know, you can back off a little bit. Not, you don't have to go a long ways. Back off a half mile, a mile. I'll bet there's a small stream or a mountain lake, and they're full of little trout, and it makes the time. It takes that antsiness away, so you're not just waiting. And and you can have a great time. You know, and even if you're just up scouting prior to the season, doesn't hurt take a fishing rod with you sometimes and make a dual trip out of it. It just can add to your enjoyment, Nate. I mean, that's it. And, you know, in a lot of these lakes, you know, you get some, some fall spawning fish that start as early as right now. You know, you get high enough up here, and you're going to get some of the, the spawning activities from some of the fish up here. And you have some really unbelievable days on the water. And, you know, it your day up. It's going to add, you know, just the, the dual sport aspect to it. Um, and it's nice. And from a lot of people out of state, you know, the Division of Wildlife helps you out with the fishing licenses when you come in with a big game license here in Colorado. So that's nice. You, know, you really get the option to do that. And, again, more than anything, it really helps these animals. Again, you're not interrupting the rut and causing them not to rut that night because you put so much pressure on them. Let them do their thing. And, again, just realize it's a part of the situation. It's hard. You know, people will argue with it. They're like, man, I don't want to quit. You know, I, I've been waiting a year for this. But, again, if you only get maybe, you know, two and a half weeks to hunt out of the given day just because that's when the animals are active, it's just what it is. And, again, you're better off to hunt those two and a half hours you know, two in the morning or the night or, you know, vice versa. Um and a successful hunt rather than push them out of their beds and have to hunt the, the entire season because you keep bumping animals. So, again, hunting it smart. I, I hunt public land just as if I was my own private ranch. And really, those are the type tools that will make you more successful. Find some animals, do some education, you know, let them bed down. That's an advantage. Now you know where they're at. You know where they're going to come back to feed. You know they're going to repeat those patterns as long as they didn't get pushed. Um, so, let them do their things, let them follow their hunt. And just basically put yourself in front of that daily habit, uh, and successfully, especially as possibly some of the bugling is a little quieter. You know, I've been hearing a lot of daytime or nighttime talks and at night, but the daytime stuff again, just because it's so hot, has really been a minimal. So last weekend we heard a ton. Up until about Tuesday, we heard a lot of calling. Where the high temps really started hitting Tuesday night, Wednesday. Um, and that's when kind of some of the, again, the bugling has slowed down. The rut is still taking place. The animals are still breeding. Bulls are still with cows. You know, it's not that everyone says they're not running. They are breeding. They're just not being as vocal because there's just not as much daytime activity. Second, it gets light. They're pretty much working to their beds. They, they did more activity at night. Therefore, they're probably doing all their resting during the day. Um, that's where a normal, a normal seasonal situation, you know, colder temperatures, they'll breed at night, but they'll also bed down a little bit. They kind of rest for uh, active and, and resting at night. Right now, all active at night, all night. 
and doing all the resting during the day. So again, it's just up to you, the hunter, to adapt. Same as fishing. We get high summer years, poor summer years. You know, we adapt to our conditions, and that's how you touch this. Same thing in the elk world. You know, if you haven't been successful in the past couple of years, you're probably doing the same thing that you've done. You know, break it up. Change up your, your patterns. Change up your tactics. Do what's required by the animals, uh, and it'll really help you out being more successful this, this year. Sure. Well, I think another thing, too, and it really piggybacks on what you're saying, is, you know, a lot of guys, they either they drew or picked a certain season or have an over-the-counter license, and they kind of, in their mind, whether they're scouting or not, start thinking about what the weather would be like, and they they hunt areas that they've seen elk in before during those times. And, I, you know, I, I know everybody doesn't have the time to scout that you do, and, and that's okay. Just set your expectations um, but first of all, make sure you understand how to properly use your firearm, what your limitations are, and then make sure you know how to take keep yourself safe. But after that, hunting is still hunting, Nate. And if the conditions are different, you know, if it stays warm, you may have to go up much higher than you thought. It may take a, a much longer walk in. It may take a whole different area that you've got to examine to find those animals if you haven't been on them already because they are going to be acting differently because of the weather. It's 100% true. I mean, we, we, we have such a hard time you know, as humans. Uh, you know, we, we get them in our head, and especially the successful years. You know, it's one of those things that fishing is probably the worst for. You know, we all have that lucky lure that one year just, just did great. And you know, we always want to take that out and have confidence in it. But there's a lot of times where, it, you know, it was great that one season or that one situation it doesn't work again. Same thing with hunting. And a lot of us, you know, have had a great maybe calling, you know, interaction. Maybe we were successful a couple of years. It's bred into our head that that's the only way to do it. You know, same thing, water holes. And every tactic has its success. And a lot of it is going to keep repeating that. You really have to adapt to these animals. And that, that's the big thing. So the other big thing to think about is, let's just say, uh, you nailed it on the head, going further in, going higher, whatever it may be. You know, we, we always talk about hunting water. And that's another advantage that we have, especially when daytime temps are super high temps. Um, hunting water, you know, especially an elk that might drink, say, once a day in a normal situation, you all of a sudden throw a rut situation on it where they're super active. They might have to drink twice a day. And, you know, a lot of times right before they bed or right before they get up in the afternoon, they'll go drink. So hunting water is one of those things that we always talk about it. I don't see it done as often as I think hunters should. So if you are, you know, disappointed in the, the action you've been having, whether you're a muzzleloader or you're on your third week of archery, um, you know, hunting water is another valid source, especially in these temperatures. I mean, it always works, but especially when you might have, you know, some of your creeks running dry, some of your smaller, you know, wallows running dry. Find that source when there is water, and it's going to make that water that much more valuable uh, to create that success. So, again, you know, right now, think about the time that you're in the woods. Think about how you enter and exit the woods. Make sure your wind is good. Make sure you're not blowing the animals out. Again, we work so hard to, to find these animals. Once you find them, don't push them. Stay on multiple days until they slip up and you get the opportunity to, to take that shot. So, so really play the odds in your favor. Um, it's going to take you a lot further, especially on years like this where we might have some you know, slightly warmer temps than normal. Uh, do everything to play the odds in your favor. Again, it's going to create that more success at the end of the day. And with that being said, I will say on the side that we talked fishing, 
But with these higher temperatures, this is probably making for some of the nicest days you could possibly have as a fall fisherman, especially a fisherman up in elevation. You look at the Delaney Butte. You look at, you know, Espinny in the South Park areas. You know, a lot of times by mid-September, we start getting pretty chilly. You know, we start getting a little colder at night. And, you know, those first morning boat dock launches and those evening boat dock launches get a little chilly. Right now, it is literally elevated. We're getting the benefits of the fall bites. We're getting the benefits of the colder water due to those colder nights. But the nice daytime temps, I mean, we're wearing T-shirts and having literally unbelievable success on, on rainbows and browns and this pre-spawn browns on the, the big pike. I mean, everything's taking place. So on the fishing side, the weather could be better, that's for sure. Um, just on that note, too, how, when does spinny close? How long will you be able to fish spinny? You know, it's, I don't know if I've looked up the date yet. I mean, it'll go anywhere between the uh, the third week of October and the end of October. Usually they close it down the, the last day of October. Uh, so it's more of a Halloween-type night. But every so often, uh, depending on water level, I think like that, they can shut it down a little earlier. But generally speaking, we're going to have to the third week of October uh, to, to catch those big fish up there. Yeah, and, I, you know, a lot of the mountain lakes, one of the pieces of advice I am giving to people, though, is I think spinning an 11-mile are okay, but a lot of the high mountain lakes are really low. They've come down fast because of the farmer's water calls. If you're going to drive a bit, I would check to make sure boat ramps are open, that they're not out of the water. There's no doubt. There's a lot of reservoirs that are experiencing that extremely low water. Right now, they are pulling water out of Spinney, but to tell you how high the water is or was this summer, just because we had such a uh, July, August, uh, just to the state, uh, both the north and south of Spinney are still open. Generally speaking, they lose that food ramp very uh, due to the low water. Right now, both boat ramps are open. I'm not saying they'll be open much longer, but right now they're both open. So, uh, Spinney will have no issues with the boat all the way until close, and Terra will have no issues all the way until close as well as miles. So, all the South Park fisheries, uh, water level is doing fantastic. So, uh, and the bite's great. Terra is, is fishing incredible. Um, Spinney's fishing incredible, and Lemmo is fishing really good. Um, of the three, I've probably spent most of my time at, at Spinney. Right now, the the average fish, uh, you just can't think about it on the state. I'd say averaging, you know, 21 to 23 inches on the rainbows, um, you know, it's it's almost hard to catch a fish under that 20 inches. Your odds are, are dramatically better for an over 20-inch fish than an under 20-inch fish. Um, and the nice thing is this fall bite hit, so the tactics are, are wide open. I mean, casting spoons, casting jerkbait, casting crankbait, uh, flies, tube jigs, um, the sky's the limit. If you have a knack as an angler, if you have a style that you like, uh, more than likely that style will transfer to catching fish at spinning right now. So it's there and uh, and have a, a wide range of, of options to catch those fish versus some years where you have to really adapt to a certain technique. Right now, uh, a lot of it's working, so it, it's a fun bite. For sure. All right. We've got to go, Nate, but if they want to book a trip with you, Tightline Outdoors at on Facebook or tightlineoutdoors.com, right? Absolutely. If you want to do that, I would say right now, this fall bite is incredible. We'd love to take you. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right. Nate Zielinski, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 127. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. 
We're going to go right to the phones, where if you'd been watching on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, you would have known we're going to be joined by Hall of Fame angler, accomplished angler, the host of Lake Commandos Television, and someone I've had the pleasure of knowing for many years, Steve Panaz. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Karen said you had kind of a, a rough night getting in, so we're going to go easy on you today. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. Oh, but I, uh, I know what it can be like. You know, the uh, it, uh, we'll talk more about the TV show later, but you and I both know the trials and tribulations of what can happen on those kind of things. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, uh, the reason I wanted you to call in is uh, a company that we respect the products a lot, Pure Fishing, Berkeley, those type of people, really introduced a, just a, a plethora of new lures and tackle this year. And none of us have had time to fish with it all. So I'm trying to get a few people on that, you know, accomplished anglers I, I respect to talk about a few of them. And I know you've had a chance to try a few. And I thought maybe yeah. we'd talk about what we think and 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 what I think. And I'm going to give you my feeling about all these new lures and, and new tackles. And then we'll get into them individually is that I think whenever we get some new items that Intrigue our interests. Intrigue. We'll we'll be out there and we'll catch more fish for a couple reasons. One, I think we focus a little more. We try to make them work, but also I think sometimes they're better tools. They allow us to angle better, and sometimes they're just different presentations the fish haven't seen that solicit bites that maybe we wouldn't have got otherwise. Do you do you believe that? Absolutely. I think fish uh, get you know conditioned to certain presentations, certain lures, and, and that sort of thing. So I think when a company offers a new style bait or a new type of bait or a new color, it really does make sense for anglers to try them and to see if, they, if they're hot on their home waters. I mean, look back in the history, there's a lot of lures that were really hot for a number of years, and you just don't hear about them anymore. And it just comes to the fact that they just don't work as well as they once did. And that's where the new lures come in. Now, one of those that I've been hearing a ton from not only you, but other people, and that's the new, uh, the new jointed flicker shad. Now the flicker shad kind of took the walleye world, especially, but for all species by storm, it was a, an incredibly effective shad lure that cost less than a lot of the ones out there yet performed well out of the package and caught fish. So what are your feelings? And I know you've had a chance to look at it. I haven't fished it yet. That jointed flicker shad. Yeah, it's coming out in two sizes. It's going to be available uh, in December uh, online at berkeleyfishing.com. But the uh, it comes in a size five and it comes in a size uh, seven. And I had access to a number of baits because we were working on a series of videos with them. And it just so happened that the week that the lures arrived and we got the videos done, I had a, a trip where uh, a couple of folks won a, a fishing trip with me and they wanted to catch walleye and we're going to be fishing one of the most pressured lakes in the Minneapolis area. And uh, so I put on two jointed flicker shads and uh, we had, we had our first walleye within about a hundred feet and we had a tremendous night on them. The, the action's a lot different than a, a, a typical flicker shad, but it's still got that tight uh, shad style wobble and, um, and walleyes really, really like that bait. And it's, you know, I've, I've relied on flicker shads for years and this new, this, this new uh, jointed model really, they both work work really well. So when when would you choose the jointed over the un, the non jointed the traditional flicker shad? I think you know what's interesting about the uh, Lake Commandos is we go out and we fish head to head against each other, and, and what 
I see in those head-to-head battles is that we, you can see the differences in presentations. You have a more high-action uh, presentation with a flicker shad over a traditional shad, single-bodied single shad bait. And so what I would do is if you and I are fishing together, I'd say, Terry, why don't you, what, what are you going to put on? And you'll say, I'm going to put this on. And I'd say, I'm going to try the other one. And just let the fish tell you what, they're, what they want. But in terms of the flicker shad, you can fish it slower, still have that high action. It runs a little bit shallower than the, uh, the traditional flicker shads. I think that the size 7, instead of running like 10, 12 feet um, on a troll, you're going to be running around 7 to 9 feet. So it's a, it's a bait that if you're going to be fishing a little bit shallower. But it's, uh, there's times when that, that jointed action outfishes the traditional action, and it's good to have that available. No, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I can remember a time in the past, going back to when I was covering the PWT for in fishermen back in the 90s, and a lot of the guys wouldn't put on a jointed lure for walleyes. They felt like it was too much action. And it shows you how some of these things uh, get debunked pretty, pretty fast, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the flatfish was a hot uh, walleye bait back in the 50s and 60s. I mean, it, that's as high action a bait as you can get. And there are times walleyes respond well to that. And, I mean, uh, I, I see this being a great bait uh, during the summer and fall and, uh, you know, even select times during the spring. Well, you know, and that's a great point, too, is that sometimes choosing these baits can be seasonal. I've always tried to put on more of a minnow shape when the water's cold early on, something that has a little more roll and not as much wobble. But but the then go to the shad baits as the water warmed, especially in shad-based lakes when the fish started schooling. And, you know, I think sometimes that jointed shad just gives you, sometimes it's hard when those shad are schooled up for the fish to pick your bait out compared to these schools of shad. But that more action, especially when their metabolism is high with the warm water, that extra action, that extra maybe instinctive wounded look that a, a jointed one had, maybe it makes you help you stand out a little bit from the, the school of bait. I think so too. And a lot of times, uh, you know, early in the year, you're, you're probably trolling at a one, one, two, something like that for walleyes. But in the summer, I don't have an issue going in that two and a half, two and three quarter, even three miles an hour at times when the water's warm and the fish are active. And uh, so speed is one of those things that uh, can work as well. Well, I've got some of the new jointed flicker shads. They sent me some. I just have to get out in the water and use them. So I'm excited. When you get into a couple baits, a couple things more here, we're going to have to take a break here pretty soon. But let's let's start talking in general about the topwater baits. You know, Berkeley didn't have a great variety and a great line of topwater baits, but, boy, did they came out with just a great selection and some great-looking baits. They launched, uh, uh, it was a two-year process in the, in the build, the design, and the testing uh, to launch 16 new hard, wa- uh, hard bait topwaters. And uh, I've, I've had a chance to get to know each one of the baits really pretty intimately from uh, a series of video shoots. And then I haven't had a chance to fish them in waters from Florida to Minnesota now. And uh, all I can say is I'm impressed. I can, I'm impressed in the fact that the baits are well-designed. They do things better than what other baits on the market are doing in terms of, say, casting distance, casting accuracy. The actions are phenomenal, and, and their fish-catching ability is just simply amazing. I had a bullet pop, a size 80 bullet pop yesterday disappear in the boil, and when I brought it to the boat, the back hooks were in the back throat of about a six-pound pike, and I, I, I've never seen a, a topwater disappear like that 
ever with a with a fish, and we had fish up to five pounds in terms of bass on them as well. So. They're just a, a great line of new hard baits. Now, I'm going to put you on hold here, Steve, and come back. And I want to talk about one of those that really intrigues me, and that's the Chapo. And then I yep. also want to talk about some of the new line Berkeley's released. So can I put you on hold for just a couple minutes? Absolutely. All right. We're going to put Steve on hold. We're talking to Steve Panaz. We're going to come back. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to get more into the baits and talk about some new line that Berkeley's coming out on. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going back to the phones where we're visiting with um, Hall of Fame angler, host of Lake Commando TV, accomplished, and somebody I really trust their judgment on, on evaluating new fishing equipment, uh, Steve Panaz. Steve, when we left uh, at the end of the last segment, we had talked a little bit about some of the top waters. One that really yeah. intrigued me, that I want to get out and try, and I, I wished I would have had it with me on my recent trip to Minnesota, and that was the Chapo. I was at Pelican Lake in Minnesota. We actually were all crappie fishing, but we did a little investigation for bass and pike, and we caught a few. But there's huge areas of weeds and grass that all maybe have just a few inches of water on top of them that are full of big pike and big bass, but there's so much of it, uh, it's sometimes hard to search those areas. I, I thought about that Chapo, and I was intrigued that I thought running that over some of these big fields of weeds, I'll bet I could have pulled some pike and bass out of those. Absolutely. You know, the uh, the rear prop baits and the Chapo and the rear prop baits, they've been around for well, over 100 years. Uh, the musky size, everybody knows what the top rater is. And, and then on the bass market, you know, the river to sea bait that uh, came out was a whopper plopper. Um, but this one, this bait is really designed to cover massive amounts of water. And what's impressed me about it is two things. One, it triggers a lot of strikes. And two, uh, it, it, the hookup ratio is, is amazing. We were actually shooting a video on the upper Mississippi River with Justin Lucas, one of the top elite bass pros. In fact, he's leading the Angler of the Year right now. And uh, we had a number of smallmouth strikes on this bait uh, running along riprap in a, in a river. And I bet you the hookup ratio was between 90 and 95%. And this is a, you know, a big bait. It's a full ounce. You can cast it a mile. Uh, and it, it looks like more than a mouthful for a smallmouth, but it, it, it isn't. And, uh, and then uh, recently in a trip to uh, Minnesota, we were running these over some cabbage beds in, in seven to nine feet of water. And uh, typically when you're not fishing a shad-based fishery, if you're fishing a fishery that's, say, bluegill-based and perch like a lot of waters around home here, they're not going to come up eight, nine feet typically, but they did. And I'm just, this is one of those baits that blows me away and it's going to retail for 10 bucks. I mean, it's, uh, it's probably the best, the best value on the market in terms of hard baits right now. Well, and you know, it's a bait that when some anglers look at it, they're going to be a little bit skeptical because they're going to look at it. I'll tell you where I think it will really shine is that we have a we have some great pike fishing here in Colorado. I'm talking fish up to 30 pounds. And we get a period oh, wow. of time into the fall when those pike go on a surface bite. And there, a lot of times they're chasing rainbow trout. They're chasing other minnow baits. And I just think, and there's, the lakes we have that bite in are typically a lot of weeds, but they don't quite get to the surface. I think this bait is going to be incredible for that surface pike bite. It's that action, and it's really that sound. Uh, when you throw it out, you hear this just deep-throated plop, 
plop, plop. And it just seems to trigger, especially the, the, the predatory fish like, uh, like bass and, and pike that just, uh, there's something about that sound that they really like. And this particular bait is built well. I mean, I've abused it already and it's, it's got a, a, a molded, uh, tail prop, not a metal prop. And it just, it just stays tuned. It, it's just a, a great bait. No, I'm excited. I've got one sitting on my desk. I was looking at it this morning before I came to do the show, and I can't wait to get out. I've I got all so many of these baits from Berkeley that I want to try, and just I'm so excited about. You know, it kind of rejuvenates my interest in just getting out and experimenting again. Another thing, in addition to the baits that they announced, I want to make sure we spend some time on is they've introduced some new braided line. Tell us about that. You know, I thought braided line had really reached its its full potential in terms of, you know, the, the super braids with the different fibers and, uh, and that sort of thing. But one of the challenges I've always had with virtually any braid I've used is in a flipping situation, it seems like the, the braid doesn't flow off the reel very smoothly. It, it, it's either the coatings or the braid itself or the thinness of the braid. Berkeley is introducing a new, a couple new braids. One's called X5 and the other is X9. We fished X5 exclusively this week on a flipping uh, trip to, for some big, big fish. And X5, they call it X5 because it's a five-carrier braid. So it has a center core of a super braid, uh, and then it's, it's got a, a four-carrier wrap around it. The core keeps the line really uh, round, and on the spool it lays nice. It doesn't dig in. But what impressed me is flipping relatively light baits, um, quarter ounce, three, you know, three eighths ounce, into pads and, and things this week. The, the line just came off the spool in so much control, and that we had the strength that we needed to get the big fish out. And I was I, I, literally blown away by this line. It's the best braid I've ever used specifically for, fit, uh, for flipping. And and it, I've, I've got some of that, and I can't wait to use it. And then they've made a sister line that's going to give you more smoothness and casting distance, and that's their new nine-carrier braid. Yeah, again, it has that core uh, in it, and then it's an eight-carrier braid around the core. You get a much smoother line. You get greater casting distance, um, and it's um, it's a it's gonna, one of those lines that I'm really looking forward to using more in open water. Now, these lines and all these baits, I, they're going to be out later in the year. Um, I know accidentally a few tackle stores have been getting some of this, that somebody filled the wrong orders. So you may find some ahead of time. <laughs> I know some friends in town have a tackle store that got some of the jointed flicker shads already. But um, these baits are going to be out. So I'll post this uh, interview on my Facebook page uh Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. So you can kind of review and kind of go over them, and then you can maybe go online and look and get ready because when these come out, I think you're going to want to add as much of this new merchandise to your fishing arsenal as you can, Steve, because I think it's just going to it's going to give a lot of people an edge. It, it is, and it's all about catching fish and having fun. And when you have baits and lines and, and products that are, you know, really tested before they come out and they perform on the water, it just makes for a, a more fun day, and uh, you're just going to catch you're just going to catch more fish when you got the right stuff. Well, you and I have been associated with Berkeley and the Pure Fishing Group for quite some time, and, and I'm not you know in, in full disclosure they're sponsors, 
But the reason we've been associated for the long times that you and I have been in this industry is the stuff works. It is well-tested. It's well-made. If we count on it, I mean, our careers counted on the quality of these products. I've been through their labs dozens of times in Spirit Lake, Iowa. It, it, they really do uh, put the time in to make sure that these products uh, perform. I, I've watched the bass take different you know, versions of the power bait uh, flavors and and sense and see the reaction to them and other other fish. So this hard bait program, they had a full two years into this before they came out with these baits, using uh, hundreds of different prototypes on each one, running them in tanks and flow tanks on the water and testing. And so by the time they brought these baits to market, I mean they're fully proven. And 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 I, I can tell you, I fished I fished poppers head to head in the Lake Commandos uh, format. Um, and you see the difference when you fish them head to head. So if someone wants to try a new bait, take their favorite bait, put it on a rod, buy a new bait or have a buddy of theirs that has one and fish them head to head and just compare how they perform. And you'll see that there are, there are significant differences in the way these things cast and, and fish and, and catch fish. Now we only got a couple minutes left, but I, I don't want to not, mentioned the television show. Um, folks, if you want to go back through my Facebook page, uh, the last time Steve was on, there's a link to my Denver Post article, or go to the Denver Post and just Google, um, search my, my name, and it'll come up, and you can read this. We don't have time to get into that much depth, but give people a general idea of the concept of the show, Steve. Well, what we do is I, I take a, a, a seasoned angler or pro and we hit a body of water that we've never been on before or, or in a lot of cases I've never seen before uh, or haven't been on in many, many years. And we attempt to figure out how to fish that particular lake. So the lake we're on this week, 700 acres, but it, but it had a ton of bays, uh, over 20 miles of shoreline. The uh, grass area was almost 80% of the, the lake, so it was mostly grass. And, we, and my partner uh, in this particular trip was Jeremy Albright. I said, Jeremy, what are you going to fish? And he wanted to flip. And my, my decision was to go to topwater. And then we go out and we fish topwater together. Uh, we see who catches the most fish. Then we switch over to flipping and see who catches the most fish. But what happens when you're fishing head-to-head in the boat against each other? You start seeing the differences between retrieve speed and the reel or the line choice or the color choice. Um, so that's, that's the whole format. And one of the reasons that the show has been highly rated is I think a lot of people, uh, struggle at pattern building and this really helps them in deciding to make good decisions on the water. Where, where can they find the show? I know you'll have a new season starting this, uh, January, but it's on right now on the world fishing network. Is that right? Yes. World fishing network. And it's also available uh, online, uh, through the subscription service, my outdoor TV. Uh, so, yeah, and we'll we'll be out with our, our newest uh, shows of the uh, next season uh, starting in uh, Q1 on Sportsman's Channel. All right. And by the way, when you go to My Outdoor TV, don't forget to look at a few of my shows that are on there, huh? Give me a little play. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, as always, great to have you on. I could I could do a whole hour with you if we didn't have other guests. So thank you so much. We'll get you back on again soon because we got a lot more baits to talk about. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity, Terry, and I uh, hope everybody that's listening gets a chance to get out and get fishing this weekend. All right. Thank you, my friend.
Thank you. You bet. Steve Panaz, just a great guy and a great angler and lots of great information. We will post this as a tackle talk on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on Facebook. Um, Hopefully I can get Karen to do it sometime this weekend. We'll see when that happens. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan, and I want to get right to our next guest, Ronnie Castiglione. Ronnie, I didn't know we were going to have that extra two minutes of football in there, but I want to get to your subject and spend some time on it. In Colorado, this time of the year, very commonly we have, if not extremely fast-falling water, very low water, and you think the anglers can turn that to their advantage? Yeah, Terry, it really is a huge advantage that we have here in Colorado. You know, and it's funny because a lot of people that relocate to the state, Terry, they consider it a disadvantage when they get here and they see that our water levels tend to tend to fluctuate every single year. Uh, you know, but one of the big, big advantages we have is that right now, you know, with the water level falling like it is in a lake like Boyd or Horsetooth or Carter or some of the lakes down south that are really, really low right now, you can get out and you can Spend a little time on a body of water learning the lake, Terry, getting out and walking around on the banks, walking around with your smartphone and plotting a trail with a GPS app or utilizing a handheld GPS, those kind of things. Right now, I, you know, I tell people all the time when we're on a lake like Boyd, which, you know, when the water's low on Boyd, Terry, it, it, it's kind of lax in features because the, the trees and the bushes aren't in the water anymore. So you, you don't see all the visual stuff that you see when the lake's full. But when the lake is low, I know where the hard spots are. I know where the little ridges are. I know where all these little patches of gravel are in this lake. And the whole reason I know where that stuff is, uh, Terry, is because I've spent the time out here literally walking all the banks on Boyd and mapping and graphing all that stuff. So that's an important tip. Folks that don't really take advantage of that, this is the time of year to do it, Terry. Oh, you're absolutely right, Ronnie. And since you're on Boyd, how is the water level there? Uh, right now, Boyd is dropping an inch or two a day, and it's probably about eight feet, maybe a little bit more than eight feet from where it was this year, which was all the way full. So there's still a good amount of water in the lake, but the lake is definitely dropping. And uh, I can tell you what, though, the, the fish has been fantastic this morning out on Boyd, Terry. Now, you're going you're gonna to really like this report, Terry. We got up early this morning. We're out here at 630 this morning, and we got rewarded. We pulled up to the north end of Boyd. And the entire lake lit up with white bass and largemouth for us right out the middle of the lake, Terry. Uh, we spent about an hour, hour and a half this morning just chasing the fish out in open water. They were boiling and churning. It was like we were in the middle of the school of tuna. And uh, we put at least 30, maybe 35 white bass into the boat in short order and a and real nice largemouth out there in the middle of the lake as well, Terry. So it was a lot of fun. And that's a bite that I hunt every single year. And I've been looking for it on Boyd, looking for it last year, looking for it this year. Uh, I think I think the numbers are definitely down as far as the number of white bass that are in this lake, but there's still a good population of them, Terry. When they pop up like they did this morning, it is fun as can be, Terry. Yeah. Oh, I love when you and I have done that together. And when we're, in fact, I wrote an article about it. They can search it in the post if they want. But when you, when you're chasing those white bass on the surface, I mean, I don't care what level of angler you are, you're going to catch fish. And I don't care what you've done in the past. When the action is going, it's just a blast, Ronnie. It is a blast, Terry, and, and we were getting good ones, you know, all the way up to about 17 inches, which are really nice white bass. And, you know, the beauty of the white bass is they are prolific, so you can definitely harvest some. You know, the limit on the white bass is something silly like 10 per person, Terry, but, you know, they hold so much meat, and they're such good size, especially when they make it to be 15, 16-inch fish, that just a couple of those fish are more than enough, Terry. So we harvested, you know, three or four of them, and that's pretty much what we're going to go home with and have a little fish fry or something like that this evening. 
evening. But uh, the white bass, when they're going on board, there's there's just not a lot more fun way to fish, Terry. You get out there, and boom, they're good times. Real quick, Ronnie, what was your bait or lure of choice? Uh, we were working primarily with two things. We, uh, my buddy was throwing a small walking bait, and they were coming up and blasting that right on the surface. And then I was throwing a really, really shallow diving jerk bait, Terry. You know, and the big key on that scenario, when we saw another boat pull in next to us and, and wasn't really quite functioning like we were functioning, the big key is you really, a lot of times, you got to resist the urge to just make blind casts at the general area, and you got to wait for the fish actually to pop up and be boiling right on the surface and try to make a really, really accurate cast right into the area the fish are currently feeding. Um, if you just don't, you know, a lot of times if you're making blind casts, they come churning up right next to you and you're in the middle of the cast. By the time you reel it in and make that cast, uh, those fish are gone because they're moving real fast. So that's the big key a lot of times. You really got to get out there and you got to sight fish those fish and snipe them, Terry, just, just like you're fishing bonefish on a flat. All right. My friend, we are running out of time, but you, I imagine people could get a hold of you and book a trip to try to go after these white bass. Yeah, Boyd's kind of in a funky state, but I, I suspect here over the next week, Boyd's just going to get better and better. Uh, the grass bite for the largemouth is going real good, and uh, if the white bass pop up like they do, that, that's a lot of fun, Terry. And it's fishfulthinker.com and fishfulthinker on Facebook, and ask for Ronnie, and uh, he'll get you out there and catch him. Ronnie, sorry about the short segment. We'll give you a, we'll give you extra time next time. No problem, Terry. You have a good one. Thanks, my friend. Ronnie Castellone from uh, Fishful Thinker. Great, great guy. Great resource. Really uh, wish we could have had more time because I really wanted to explore this falling water, shallow water uh, fishing. We'll try to address it a little more in the next couple weeks. We're going to address a few things. Obviously, we're going to talk some more hunting as we get into the fall. But I want to make sure we focus on this fall fishing. And There's different things available. We're going to talk about Gramby pretty soon. And I, My understanding is they're going to leave the gates open for this October. October lake trout bite, which is one of my favorites. So we'll we'll try to get more information on that. We want to know more about Blue Mesa. You're going to be able to get a boat on. And then the kokanee are starting to run. So we're going to try to keep you appraised of all this and the front range fishing. So tune in every Saturday from 9 to 11 right here on the fan for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And follow us on Facebook. That's where you're going to get the bulk of the information. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We post some of the interviews. We post the tackle talks. We keep, we post our, our Denver Post articles. We post podcasts. It just keeps you in tune with this show. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour on 104.3 The Fan and ESPN Radio Sports.